Hello, my lovelies. This is May K. Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my wonderful Quiet Rebels. I am so excited for today's conversation because the last couple of episodes I've been talking about launching. And when most people talk about launching, they don't associate it with rest. Um, They often think about like oh, exhaustion and you know needing to take a long rest but it's not a restful process so today I'm excited to have Tanessa Shears on the podcast today to talk about how we can biohack and optimize our brain for productivity so if you've ever had brain fog or just feeling like you're not at your best self and you want to know how we can actually again biohack our brains she is the one that we're going to so Tanessa thank you so much for coming on to the Quiet Rebels podcast Hey, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Oh, All right. So before we get into the biohacking and all the cool stuff, I'd love to know, how did you get into this? How did you start working with entrepreneurs on how to actually optimize their productivity through through their health, I suppose, a bit more than the strategy alone? Yeah. Well, I started my business as a personal trainer back in 2014, but I kept discovering that my own interests were also helping my clients. So for example, I started getting certified in nutrition and then I would be my own guinea pig and then my husband and my sister. And then I was looking like, oh, who wants to help try something new? And I found that they kept getting better results. And then I started incorporating sleep and I started incorporating biohacking and my clients' results just kept getting better, but it wasn't just like the getting in shape or the weight loss. That wasn't the result that was the most noticeable. It was the fact that they were able to feel really clear and their energy was stable throughout the day. And they felt more present when they're you know done work at the end of the day. And it was a point about two years ago where I looked at my client base And there was about 90% entrepreneurs. And I was like, interesting, because they keep coming to me because everyone's telling them how good they feel and how they're managing their overwhelm and how they're feeling so energized during the day. And so that is where a lot of my referrals have come in. And I think that's why my client base has just become so many entrepreneurs. It's just because that clarity and eliminating that brain fog does so much for your ability to show up and scale your business and be able to have, you know, good relationships with other people. Mm. Oh, I love that. So it's, it's, I love how you kind of experimented on yourself because I have, um, yeah, I just have a special soft spot for those who walk their talk. And um, I was actually developing this concept today um, at the time of this recording, um, the concept of credibility coins. And there is like two sides of the same 
credibility coin, right? So one side is the professional credibility, which you have through, you know, your PT training and, um, you know, learning nutrition and, and et cetera. And then on the other side is also personal lived experience. So I love how you have basically both sides of the credibility coin, <laughs> whether you, like, you probably haven't heard it in that, in that way before, but like, I just love that you're the walking, talking version of your work. <laughs> Yeah, it's so interesting. I found that kind of by accident when I got my designation as a sleep certified uh, science coach, what I ended up doing was I'm like, I'm on Instagram. I'm going to show you my data and my sleep numbers every night for the next three months. And I'm going to tell you what I'm doing to improve them. So I kind of started showing it as a self-experiment, right? And then I'd get people reaching out to me being like, I can't believe you're sleeping that much longer with just those changes. Can you help me? And of course, being able to see it on myself and I'm showing up firsthand, experimenting on myself and then developing a process which was repeatable, right? And that's how that's how we're able to develop our own unique ideas in our business. Oh, I love this so much because we all want to work less work smart not like roll out of bed and feel that brain fog and try to push through whatever's on our to-do list <laughs> so oh, okay okay can we just get into all the good things yes. <laughs> so yes, where, do we start? where do we start <laughs> <laughs> okay so if we're gonna start let's start with talking about what the difference is between brain fog and tired because some people will say no well what if I'm just actually tired and how do you know the difference between brain fog so Tired is in the sense if you get to the end of the day, slowly your energy starts dropping little bit by little bit throughout the day. Like it's just a natural, you wake up higher on energy and it slowly starts to go throughout the day. You get to the end of the day, you still have the energy to do what you want to do, but you're ready to hit the pillow at the end of the night. That is tired. That kind of like, you know, you're reading in bed, you're just ready to curl up and go to sleep. That's tired. What's not normal is opening your eyes in the morning and feeling groggy and feeling like your head is foggy. And then you're kind of going through your morning and all you want is your coffee. And then you get to work and you're forgetful, like you're forgetting little words or you sit down to write copy and you're just like, I have nothing. This is the most uninspired I felt all week. And you just kind of feel like that inability to focus or concentrate. And that is what brain fog is. It's like a collection of symptoms in which your thinking feels clunky and cloudy, which is different than at the end of a day, I'm feeling like I'm ready for bed. Those are two different things. So that's how you can start by assessing, is it brain fog or am I just tired? You just described a whole life. <laughs> Actually, it really depends on my quality of sleep, but that is very interesting. And it's good to know that this is not normal. So how do I make it normal to actually just be you know running that cycle of being naturally tired when I'm at my best in the morning and it just slowly it just slowly dissolves during the day naturally so what can we do <laughs> yeah I think part of it is identifying your biorhythm so naturally where your energies peak and drop because all of us are a little bit different. Not everyone is born to be part of the 5 a.m. club. I think that is a myth. I think thank our you. thank you for validating that. I'm a night owl, so thank you. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Because yeah, our biorhythms are different. Like I am that early bird. Like I'm up 5:30, eyes open, wide awake, full of energy. Like that is who I am. That is built into what's called my chronotype, which means how my body follows a clock. So what we start to notice is when we pay attention to our brains and our bodies, we actually have a higher uh, propensity for deep work at a certain time of the day, which is, you know, for me, it's writing copy, it's writing sales letters, it's coming up with content. And then I have also propensity for 
um, light work later in the day. And that's something I've found with my biorhythm. So I know for a fact, anytime I want to create in my business or I want to uh, do something new, I know to do that in those morning hours because that is when my brain is geared for deep work. Now, this contrasts to the afternoon where I'm geared on light work. This is a great time for me to do all my client calls. This is a great time for me to check my emails, maybe to record a podcast when I'm in more of that social lighter energy. So it's different for everyone. So it sounds like you have a chronotype which pushes your time later in the day. So you'll probably find that the beginning of the day is amazing for light work, for responding to emails, maybe recording podcasts, doing some meetings, but you probably get into your creative flow later in the afternoon. And you're like, this is, I'm hitting my stride. Even the evening evening. That's when I have the most creative time. (laughs) Right. Well, and most of us think like, well, if we look at this 5 a.m. morning routine culture that is supposed to be the epitome of success and meditate in the morning and all of this, like some of us just don't fit into that. But instead of thinking that that's something that's gone wrong, that's just not your chronotype or your biorhythm. So really identifying what chunks of time are meant for what type of work and leaning into that. Like I know my energy starts dropping really quick after four or five o'clock. So that's my personal home time. That's the time where I'm doing some wrap up, last minute emails. I'm not going to put any deep thinking work there because it's not going to feel productive and I'm not going to get my best during that time. Oh, so good. And I love how you know, you're honoring your own, the chronotype you said, right? Yeah. Yes. And you completely validated my whole experience as a night out. (laughs) Because you're you're right that there seems to be like this, uh, the 5am club, I'm, you know, I've never felt a part of it um, because, uh, yeah, I've I've just always been a night out, even when I was a kid. So it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a struggle trying to fit into that, especially during school. So, you know, getting up in the morning and, and like coming back during what would normally be my best hours, but feeling so tired because mm. of, you know, waking up earlier than my rhythm would prefer me to. But yeah, I've learned to honor that because I know from an evolutionary standpoint, it's actually best that there are people who can stay up late because they are on night watch looking after, you know, the group when everyone else is asleep. I'm like, so, you know, to my ancestors, you're welcome. We kept you safe at night. <laughs> Yeah. And that, you know what the interesting thing is, even if we've, we've always been one way, like I feel like if if you are living into your biorhythm, your chronotype, you know, because it feels good. Your energy is sustained throughout the day. You kind of really just gravitate towards either creative work in the morning or the afternoon or your deep work in the morning or the afternoon. But for the longest time, I was trying to maintain like a middle of the road. And there is a group of people who have middle of the road times. They're more the people that go to sleep at 10, 30, 11, wake up at 6, 37. And I was trying that, but I just didn't find flow. So I was like, well, maybe I'm going to push it a bit earlier. And all of a sudden, like I lit up in terms of how my brain was functioning during those times. And I just realized I was almost giving myself a sense of jet lag by switching what my natural rhythm wanted to be. And it was so interesting when you fall into that natural rhythm of consistent going to bed, consistent waking up, like you very much just feel energized as opposed to fighting something that is inherently trying to happen in your biology. That is so interesting that you mentioned jet lag because whenever I go to the U.S., um, I actually, because most of my clientele, they are in the U.S. and Canada. So it actually makes sense for me to work later in the day because that's their morning and that's my prime time. But whenever I go over, um, I'm actually the one waking up at five or six in the morning. And it's because in the U.K., that would actually be a normal time for me. So mm-hmm. I was like, 
Oh, this this is very interesting. So becoming aware of our chronotype is part one. So what is the next step? Like, how do we actually start to honor that even further and optimize it? I think the first thing is by creating awareness and paying attention. So I always ask my clients to first thing they do is I just keep track of your time in 15 or 30 minute intervals for like three days, because you're going to see what naturally where you spend your time. And then what I have them do is I have them go in and identify what their energy was like at each of those times, right? Because so many things fit better at the right time. It's just, we don't ever think to experiment with them. Like for example, some people think that we should always work out in the morning because that'll give us energy for the day. Well, what if in fact your peak time was in the afternoon? So it's really about how do I feel during this? What about if I switched an hour? And it's about becoming the scientist of your own schedule, right? Really mm-hmm. taking it as a data thing and not just arbitrarily switching it and switching four things at the same time. It's like, if I switch maybe just my workout to the afternoon instead of the morning. How do I feel that week? And then the next week, what if I just switched my bedtime back an hour and woke up an hour earlier? What does that feel like? And actually paying attention instead of just arbitrarily moving things to 5 a.m. because you think they should and working out because you think you should, just really paying attention to that and taking notes over like a three-day period and just kind of watching what things, what the experience is like and if you're more productive and effective at your work. Mm, yeah that that's really true I love I love that concept becoming the scientist of your own schedule and the um okay I, I kind of did this at crazy o'clock but I was very young at this point so when I was 19 I was in uni my neighbors downstairs when I rented out a flat they were not happy because I would be jumping around at three in the morning doing my best workout and I'd be like pumping it felt like I was pumping iron even though it was in the flat and I didn't have the equipment but you know what I mean like I was on fire and granted I know that was actually inconsiderate me looking back in retrospect but (laughs) yeah because when I do workouts in the morning I actually feel really tired like I feel so groggy throughout the day and it actually affects the rest of my rhythm um but if I do it in the early evening like seven for example like just before dinner then I feel great because I feel that sense of like calm and there's no sense of like, oh, I need to keep performing like through the rest of my day. Like, no, my work day's finished. I get to be energized with my family. So, ah, oh, this, hmm. yes, I like this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, maybe there's no right or wrong way. It's just really listening in to what way. you are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, love definitely. that. Okay, so becoming aware of our chronotypes and then becoming the scientist of our schedule and just like, you know, checking in intervals, how we're feeling, what's happening, whether it's deep work or light work. What do we do after that? I love what comes next. You really need to start taking inventory of where inflammation is creeping up in your lifestyle. So we say, well, what the heck does inflammation have to do with it? It is what creates brain fog. So Mm. a lot of our brain fog, it could be from that jet lag experience because that will 100% do it. But if our body is constantly experiencing a lot of inflammation, and we usually think of inflammation, things like, oh, I sprained my ankle, Mm. it gets red and irritated, right? But inflammation also happens in our digestive tract. It happens when we overwork out or don't work out at all. It happens when we eat certain foods. It happens when we have elevated stress levels for a long time. So what we need to start doing is figuring out Where is the inflammation happening? And the biggest three that I see when I talk to my clients is it is lack of quality sleep, poor nutrition, and being under constant stress. Those are usually running amok 
and inflammation stays high, which leads to brain fog. So we look at those and see where is the inflammation coming in? Mm, Okay. So let's go through it like piece by piece. So quality sleep. So it's not always the length of sleep because I I have noticed like as soon as I turned uh, 25, a couple of years ago, I could no longer function or survive, let's just say, on five hours sleep, because I used to pride myself on that. I used to say, oh, you need to sleep five hours, and I've got more hours in the day. But literally, it's like my body's like, no, okay, well, you're past 25 now. I ain't taking this anymore. <laughs> so I felt like my body, like, it can't function on less than eight hours. But tell me more about how we can know if we're having quality sleep versus a good quantity of hours of sleep. Yeah, First little fun side note, about 25 is when you go through your second major chronotype shift in your life. Oh, yeah. Okay. You go through well, your first one when you're a baby because babies are up all the time. And then you settle into a childhood rhythm. You change again from 25 till about your late 50s or 60s. That's when you'll go through your next change. But that sounds exactly like what might have happened to you where you're like, what? This was working last year. What is going on? Yes. Oh, that is that is really fascinating. So there's literally like a body clock. Yes. Yes. It wow. just adjusted into your mature adult clock. <laughs> Okay. Well, the mature yeah. adults won't, won't tolerate five hours sleep. Okay. Go. Yes. Keep going. <laughs> okay. All right. So if we're going to break down sleep, there's, I think one of the most important things that we, I didn't know before, which made the biggest impact to me is there is a difference between the time you spend asleep and the sleep opportunity you give yourself. So I used to think, you know, I turn off my lights at 11 and my alarm clock goes off at seven. That's eight hours of sleep, right? But what I didn't know was that our bodies naturally wake up as we toss and turn. We're not always aware of them. They wake up when our sleep cycles end. And sometimes we get disrupted during the night. But on average, when I start working with an entrepreneur, they're on average awake between an hour and an hour, 20 minutes per night. Now, if you go to bed at 11 and wake up at seven, you're really only getting like six or seven hours to six hours and 40 minutes of time asleep. So when we find out how much time we're spending asleep. And I just, honestly, there's so many ways to track it. You can use a basic Fitbit. You can use a Garmin watch, an Oura ring. There's so many options. But once you know how much time you spend awake each night, now you have to allow for a longer sleep opportunity so that when you account for the time you spend awake, then you're actually getting your seven hours or your seven and a half or your eight or whatever amount of sleep you need to feel energized the next day. That makes so much sense. So basically, we need to pad on some extra hours to take into account how much we're actually awake during our cycles as we're trying to sleep. Yes. And <laughs> because whenever I used to wake up in the middle of the night for, for some reason, um, I would not look at the clock because my mind will go into automatic math mode um like okay so if it's three o'clock now and I need to wake up at eight then that means like five hours. <laughs> like I think everybody does that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, uh, so if I wake up in the middle of that, I just don't look at the clock. I don't want to know. I want to yeah. pretend that I still have eight hours available <laughs> to <Yes>. go sleep. <laughs> oh, totally. Because otherwise you're like, if it's half an hour, do I really go back to sleep? Or yeah, do I just, exactly. yeah. It's like, no, no, let me just like, you know, just drink coffee early and just like, poof, like you know, go, yeah. just like blast through that extra half hour that I could have slept. But mm, interesting. So pad on those extra hours. (laughs) Yeah. So then what you want to do is you want to start making sure you have a consistent circadian rhythm. So we talked a bit about our chronotype and the bio rhythm earlier. So what you want to look at is, am I going to sleep and waking up at roughly the same time every day, 
even on weekends, plus or minus 20 to 30 minutes. So what that does is it allows us to get the full spectrum of quality sleep. So it's really fascinating what happens to our brain during sleep. And it is what makes us effective entrepreneurs, which is the neat thing. So at the beginning of the night, you get the majority of your deep sleep. This helps us consolidate memories. This helps us um, like really work on the healing process of our body. Growth hormone is released. There are so many wonderful things that happen from a healing and consolidating perspective during the beginning part of the night. Now, at the end of the night is the neat thing. This is when we do our most of our dreaming. But dreaming specifically is what allows us to be creative. It's what allows Mm -hmm. us to solve better problems. And we know that, you know, the success of our business is directly related to the size of the problem we can solve, right? And it makes us more um, able to interpret emotions in other people. Meaning like if we get quality dream sleep, that's called REM sleep. I'm better able to read your body gestures and your facial expressions, which and if you're working in a one-on-one with clients or customers, it's important to be able to read body language and to be an effective communicator. So essentially by going to sleep and waking up at about the same time each day, it allows you to get that full spectrum of deep and REM sleep. The problem is we decide we're going to start waking up early or we stay up a couple hours late. So if we stay up two to three hours late one night, you're not just losing two to three hours sleep. You might be wiping out most of your deep sleep. Mm. So effectively we are choosing, well, do I not want to feel refreshed tomorrow? Do I not want to feel creative tomorrow? Like it's sacrificing so many of the qualities that make us amazing entrepreneurs. So I look at sleep as developing my ability to be sharp, to be creative, to solve big problems, to be an effective communicator and to be present and energized for my clients And that goes back to my sleep. And that's something I'm not willing to compromise because of how I want to show up for my clients. So what we really think is just, you know, I'm going to get a little bit more work done tonight. What that's actually doing is taking away from your energy, productivity, and ability to show up the next day. Oh, all of this is making so much sense. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) And, okay, this is a total side question. Have you ever had the experience where you wake up from a dream you remember your dream and when you go back to sleep, your dream continues. Yes. That's so fun. <laughs> especially when it's a good dream or you wake up, you're like, please just slip back into that. Please. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, I've just been on an adventure in the jungle. Tell me more. <laughs> totally. So, oh yeah. Um, okay. So it's a thing it's possible. Um, yes. That, that's a completely side conversation, but anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> so sleep, quality sleep is one of the three pillars that you see. Okay. So now let's talk about um, nutrition. So mm-hmm. what can we do to reduce inflammation? What kind of foods to take into account and to, you know, consider kind of phasing out a little bit more? I think we all know what they are, but tell us anyway. <laughs> yeah. So there's a couple of things that I look at. Number one is what the effect of the, of the nutrition and the food that you eat, what effect that has on something called your glycemic variability. It sounds fancy. It's not. It's just basically how much your blood sugar from the food you eat goes up And it goes down with every single meal. So chronically elevated blood sugar. So when we eat, the food goes into our blood and turns into blood sugar. Some of it does. Some of it turns into fat. Some turns to protein. But when we get elevated blood sugar, insulin, a hormone, goes up with it. When we have chronically high insulin, a lot of inflammation is created. And what goes up? 
with insulin must come down. And that's where you're getting those big energy crashes and energy mm-hmm. dips. So some of my clients will be like, yeah, I'm good all morning. And then I have lunch and I need a nap or I, I just need to take a break or my brain is foggy and I, I can't think as well after I eat. And it's usually because that the foods that they were choosing were high on the glycemic variability, it would cause sugar to rise up. So what I look at is during my workday, my job is to keep my blood sugar as stable as possible. So what this means for me is when I'm looking at my breakfast and my lunch in particular, I'm looking for healthy fats. I'm looking for protein. I'm looking for plenty of vegetables and a little bit of fruit. For me personally, I like to leave my starchy carbohydrates like rice and sweet potatoes and quinoa for the end of the day because those do create that insulin drop and they do slow you down. But the beautiful thing is at the end of the day, they set you up for a beautiful sleep. So I always tell my clients, especially if they're getting highs and lows throughout the day and their energy isn't consistent, the first place I look at is what about the food that you're eating. So a great idea for like breakfast that I always like to talk about are things like, what if you had an avocado and some eggs? Like, what would that look like? Or, or yeah, or like a veggie smoothie with a bit of protein in it and some healthy fats like avocados and chia seeds. And then for lunch, what about something like, you know, Brussels sprouts with salmon? You know what I mean? Like looking at really whole foods that are enhancing our brain instead of foods that are taking away from it, fast things like sandwiches and pasta, foods that are predominantly processed carbohydrates, they either have sugar or flour, that are slowing our brain down and creating inflammation. So the reason why I gasped, I wasn't weaving. I was like, I was like, (gasps) (laughs) and the reason why is because today I made lunch for me, my partner, and we they bought something from the grocery store called sandwich fins. So they're not as thick as regular bread. Um, so it's actually a lot less of it. So I had a sandwich thin, I toasted it, um, just dry toasted, no butter or anything. Um, and then they bought um, smoked salmon. So I put some salmon on top, crushed some avocado. Um, um, I, I love runny eggs. So I love my yolk, <laughs> nice and runny. And then I had a rocket salad, you know, with a tiny bit of olive oil on top and, I felt so light, like I felt like healthily, healthily satisfied, not full, but healthily satisfied. And I was just like, my brain was just so light all day. And I was like, ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, now compare that to after a big pasta meal. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking back to all of my noodle lunches. <laughs> And if you think about a lot of the times when busy entrepreneurs are grabbing food on the go, they're grabbing noodles, they're grabbing cereal. That was my guilty pleasure, honey nut Cheerios for lunch. (laughs) Or they're grabbing, you know, pasta or noodles or, you know, something that is quick and easy to grab. And a lot of the times, unless you're being conscious of it, the food that we grab that is quick and easy to prepare, a lot of the times is very heavy, especially Mm. in flour and sugar. Not that those foods are bad. They have a place. But if I'm looking at getting the most out of my productivity, where in my diet do they fit? Mm. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. So food, (laughs) we have talked about nutrition and quality sleep and forgive me. What what was the third, the third one? (laughs) Being under constant stress. Ah, Okay. Tell, tell us more as entrepreneurs. Yeah. Very prone to stress a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, we know about the hormone cortisol. We've probably all heard of it. And when we are under stress, whether that be mental from just, you know, being worried about something or anxious about how something's going in our business, or we're under the struggle of trying to get our business off the ground or physical stress, meaning we're overtraining, we're eating foods that are causing inflammation in our gut. Like there's all kinds of stress, but when our body is under that cortisol stays elevated and it creates 
brain fog. So one of the things that I really like to do is ask my clients, when is the last time you actually intentionally deloaded your brain? And I go take them through a process called a cognitive load detox. Because if you've ever heard about decisions, you have a certain quality of decision-making at the beginning of the day, and it wanes throughout the day. It's the same thing as willpower. You wake up in the morning and there's a ton of it, but it's like a gas tank that slowly empties. Your ability to make decisions at night is not as strong as it is in the morning, (laughs) right? So when we're talking about specifically stress, we want to make sure that as we put things on our our plate, and I'm going to use plate to uh, refer to like our brain load, for example. So we're talking about, you know, you make decisions, you, maybe you're working on a webpage, maybe you went live in a Facebook group, and all of these things are piling onto our cognitive load and it's getting heavier and heavier. We need to make sure that we're making time at the end of the day to take things off the plate so that we can show up fresh the next day. Right. And so how I instruct my clients to do that is to take time at the end of the day or in the middle of the day, if they really need it to, have a space for themselves to focus on one task at a time called single focus task. And I like there to be a light quality about your thinking. So kind of like if you were to sit down and watch your favorite Netflix show, but it wasn't like one where you had to think about what was going on. It was just kind Mm. of like a loose, fun one. So we're watching a show called Superstore on Netflix right now, which I'm really enjoying. And it's just light and fun. And I don't have to think a lot. It's that ability for that brain to stop having to process. So what is actually happening is our brain is changing into what's called alpha wave activity. It's loose focused, it's relaxed. And our most of the time we try to chase different activities thinking it's going to give us that feeling like, oh, we'll do a bubble bath or, oh, I'll go work out. But it's not the activity, but about the, the state you're able to get your brain into, which is what I love. So I always tell my clients like great activities like this are reading or going for a walk outside or playing with your dog or your kids or cooking dinner, something where you're not also having the TV on in the background and you're having a conversation while you're doing this. And you're also listening to a podcast and our brains, the sensory overload we put our brain under doesn't allow it to recover from our day. Mm. So taking that time at the end of the day, like I do this, I wash my face. I put on some serum. I put on some lotion. It's quiet. I'm not also listening to a podcast. I'm not also thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm focusing on that one activity. It's a loose focus. It lets my brain kind of go (sighs) and start to recharge that processing power that I've been using all day in my business. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I, I was just thinking about that today when I was just just reading, just reading my book. That's it. Nothing else. Had a lovely cup of tea. I was still in bed, but it was sunny outside. It was, it was lovely. And I felt so at peace. And I realized how much I don't give myself the opportunity to do that in a given day. So, yeah. yeah. And when the interesting thing is what I always love to tell my clients is it's not about the activity, because if you think about reading, if I'm reading, like, for example, I'm reading a really large textbook sized biohacking book <laughs> called Boundless right now. I read that and my brain actually shifts up into beta, which is high concentration, focus and flow, because my brain starts reading this and being like, I need to teach this. How could I apply this to myself? Mm. How can I create content from this? That is not alpha wave activity. So it sounds like how the reading you might have been doing has been alpha wave activity, but there is a difference. So that was more the point I was saying, and it's not about the activity. 
It's about how your brain feels leaving the activity. Mm-hmm. So reading a nonfiction personal development book does not bring me into alpha wave activity. <laughs> However, reading like a fun novel at the end of the night or something light and, and cozy, like a good Jody Pico book would do it for me. You know what I mean? Something <laughs> where my brain can stop processing the day. So there's a difference between the feeling and the activity. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I do notice that um, I don't always stop at the chapter. I stop when I feel that I can't process anymore. So mm. maybe a part of it is does dip into, you know, beta, like mm-hmm. beta wave. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, but oh, okay. I, I have, I'm trying to think to myself, okay, what's an alpha task then that I could do? <laughs> and one of them is watering my plants. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it's oh, so good. So um, I've actually read this before, but um, I wonder if you could kind of like do a quick summary of each of the waves, like what is an alpha wave activity, what's beta, and I think the next one, is it theta or theta? Like how, how do you yeah, pronounce that? <laughs> theta and then delta. Yeah, yes. so our brain waves, they're in frequencies, right? So if you're, if you're familiar at all with, remember physics from high school and all of that, they're at a certain number of uh, waves per minute, right? It's in hertz, that's the frequency. So... When we are in high beta, we are feeling anxious and overwhelmed. We don't want to be in high beta. We've all been there before. It's when you're like trying to get something done last minute or you're frustrated or, you know, a link isn't working. You, you, you get really like this, like you're breathing. We've all been in high beta. Nobody wants to be in high beta. So the goal first is then just to come down to beta. Beta is amazing for uh, productivity. It's great for flow. It is great for creativity. So that's beta is the next one down. Down from that, like we talked about, is alpha. Theta is actually this interesting in-between state that is sometimes accessed uh, through meditation, meaning if you can kind of get into that experience where you lose sense of your body. You know, have you ever Mm -hmm. done yoga and you're in Shavasana and you're like, I can't move my fingers? Mm, Like you just kind of lose all of that. Like I, I love Joe Dispenza's work. Have you ever heard of him? Yeah. Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. That's I love right. that book. But he talks <laughs> about the concept of losing your body, meaning losing that connection to your physical body, losing time, meaning you don't know how much mm-hmm. time has passed, oh, I love and, that. and losing, your, losing your mind, not in the sense that it sounds like, but losing that contact with thinking. You're able mm-hmm. to just be, mm-hmm. and that is when you start accessing theta. But then beyond that goes into delta. And this is that slow wave sleep that we consider deep sleep that happens at the beginning of the night. So deep sleep is not only that restorative process, but it also really helps us prevent Alzheimer's and dementia. So we want to really protect that deep wave sleep that we get for our brain health in the future, but also for our ability to just have really refreshing sleep that we can wake up from. So our brain goes through all of those. But the really interesting thing is I've been experimenting with an app over the last six months that I found. It's called Brain FM. Mm -hmm. And what this app is like is I could think of it best as like having a remote control that you can tune in to the brainwave frequency that you want on demand. So for example, if I log into the app in the morning and I click on focus, what it does is it has, um, I guess you could say note bots in the back of the music that invite your brain into that frequency easier. Oh, yeah. So our brains love to, to sync with external stimuli. So in the background of this music, there is a beta frequency tune. I can't really tell the difference when I listen to them, but I notice within about 10 to 15 minutes with headphones on listening to that, I am in flow. And I'm talking about deep, uninterrupted, 
high productivity work and I can stay in that and it's wonderful, but I also use it with my clients when they need to relax and don't know how to access alpha, especially if you're a very high stress entrepreneur and you haven't really felt, uh, felt that relaxed feeling in a while. I always ask them, get this app, put on the, the relax one. It'll take your brain into alpha because sometimes we just need to know what we're aiming for. What is it supposed to feel like when I'm done this? So by using this app, it essentially induces a brainwave state on demand instead of trying to achieve something which you might not have really fully achieved yet. So you don't know what you're aiming for. It's a really cool app. Um, yeah, I'm totally downloading it. <laughs> It is good. I I, I love it for those mornings where I have to write like either launch emails or I just did um, a batch podcast, eight batch podcasts and eight newsletters to go with them in two hours. Two hours. Two hours. I sat there and I'm like, all right, here we go. And it got done. And they all uploaded and scheduled in two hours because the, the, when your brain is in beta and it's paired beautifully with that time of day in which you're good for deep work. Like, can you get a better combination with that? And a hot cup of coffee. Like I was on fire and I just did that about two mornings ago. Oh my goodness. Okay. This is so amazing. And like, that's like hashtag goals right there for any podcast. (laughs) Myself included. Oh, I have a one-year-old daughter. So stuff has to get done on a very tight schedule around here. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure that comes into play as well. And um, I I love that you mentioned this Brain FM app because while I didn't have the app way back when, but when I was writing my dissertation for university in my final year, um, there was a a music track that was going around like amongst my my peers right and so they sent it to me and it's called cognitive enhancer and when I actually described this to my advisor who was overseeing my dissertation she she asked me like oh how is it doing um and everything and I told her about this and then she mentioned about that oh yeah there's probably you know there are certain frequencies that you are listening to without you realizing it that's how you can get into deep focus. And that is how I managed to write my dissertation like pretty quickly because like I was just like in that state whenever I listen to it. So I'm guessing Brain FM is has those tracks, but for different um whichever like wave yeah. you want to tap into. Yeah, they have the options they have are focus, relax, meditate, and deep sleep. So pretty mm. much the four brainwave frequencies we just talked about. Amazing. Okay, so I'm totally going to put all of these links in the show notes so that we can be sure to download this app for ourselves. And um, oh my goodness. Oh, there's so much goodness here. I feel like you need to come back in the future for like a part two because I feel like we can talk about (laughs) it. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you've given us a lot of information, like the, the uh, the four different waves, the, you know, things to look out for, our chronotypes, all the things. So if we were to sum it up into just like three steps or maybe just one major takeaway, how can we best get started to start biohacking ourselves? The single best thing you can do is go to sleep and wake up at relatively the same time every day, even on the weekends, because that prevents you from interrupting sleep cycles, from missing out on quality sleep. And I find that sleep is often that thing that Everyone comes to me and is like, no, that's fine. I really want to work on my nutrition. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Let me blow your mind, Tara. Let me completely (laughs) change what your experience of high energy means and start there because that'll let you start seeing if you're on the right biorhythm. You can't tell if you're not following any type of rhythm. So in order to start really tuning into 
when am I most energetic? When's my best deep work? When should I wake up? You have to have somewhere to start and you have to be consistent. So I often tell my clients, set a start and end time, plus or minus 20 to 30 minutes, follow it for three weeks. Then start making changes one at a time. Take notes, pay attention. Yes, the become the scientist of your schedule. Remember my yes. love, Lisa? <laughs> Totally. <laughs> oh, okay. So Tanessa, for those of us who have fallen fallen in love with you because of all the things, good things that you're sharing, where can we go to stay connected with you? Yeah. So on social media, I'm at Tanessa Shears on Instagram. That's where you'll find me there. But the absolute best place, if you're listening to all this stuff and you're like, this is cool, tell me more, especially like that Brain FM app. I've put together my 12 best biohacks in a giveaway PDF. It's called 12 ways to biohack your energy. So if you're wanting to like wake up feeling really energy or have consistent, stable productivity during the day, it's at tanessashears.com slash energy. It's a free, I call it my entrepreneur's playbook, 12 ways to biohack (laughs) your energy. And that will give you the most beautiful place to start I would suggest to go there first. I'm so downloading that myself. So, <laughs> so uh, again, I'm going to pop all the links in the show notes. So, you, um, so none of you will have to try and remember <laughs> like what the URL is of I've got you covered. So, okay, so on Instagram and for your entrepreneur's playbook, absolutely love it. So, Tanessa, as we start rounding off our amazing conversation today, I've got two final questions for you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So, number one, I'd love to know what makes you a quiet rebel. My business coach one time said this to me and it never left. She said, be the strongest energy in the room. And I know that part of, you know, being a quiet rebel is really being able to show up in a room and like you said, not be the loudest one there, but have the biggest impact. So I always love that. Like, how can my energy be the loudest without me even needing to say anything? How can my confidence Mm -hmm. shine and my experience shine and how can I shine without even having to open my mouth? And that's what I love. Just people knowing that I like myself, I can show up. I love what I do. I'm happy with who I am and have that shine from just my body language. So that's what that means to me is just being able to show up as the strongest energy in the room. I love that. No one has ever said it that way before. And clearly, if we download your entrepreneur's playbook, then we are going to be the strongest. <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> obviously, if we're in the same room, uh, I might have to go to a different room <laughs> to shine elsewhere. We, can, co- we could be the co-strongest energies in the room. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It's a collective effort. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. And my final question to you. So for those of you who have never listened to the podcast before, and it's your first one, and if that is the case, you picked a hella of a good episode, first of all. Um, but if you have uh, listened to the podcast before, you know what's about to happen next. So if you hear this sound, it means it's time for a fact of the day. So Tanessa, because you are our wonderful guest, I'd love to know what is one weird fact or a fun story about you that no one else on the internet knows. It's so fun because I was just telling my husband about this last night because he was like, I don't know that about you. And I thought it was so weird. We were talking about the moments we've been most proud of in our whole life and some things, those moments that just stay with you. And I was telling him about the moment. It was my third semester from the end of my university degree. And I was, you know, when you write your final exam and you're waiting and the, the, the professors are posting the grades one at a time, one at a time. So I was waiting there and day one, I got my first A plus. And then the second day, the second A plus. And that was the first semester I got 
straight A pluses across the board. So hands down, just a moment that I've never told. I don't even think my, my husband didn't even know. It was one of those moments I keep, but it was one of those pride moments of like, I did that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, I love that. Just a pluses across the board. That is an achievement. So amazing. You're absolutely amazing. And all of like my quiet rebels right now who are listening also think you're amazing. I know I can speak for them. <laughs> Thank you. Vanessa, seriously, it's been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. You're clearly extremely knowledgeable and I love how you've broken it down in such bite-sized consumable pieces. So thank you so much. Definitely going to download that energy. Um, Sorry, that entrepreneur playbook and brain FM. Those are two (laughs) must-dos. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you. And so my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool to, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Oh my goodness okay another great episode and so i will be back same place same time next week for another episode of the choir Rebels podcast so until then my lovely do take care and bye for now